0: Well, these are very special days that we're passing through because they are the nine days that intervene between our Lord's ascension into heaven and the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And it's during this time that the apostles, as we hear about in our first reading, were given over wholly and completely to prayer. And so I'd like to continue talking about prayer if you were here for my, uh, Holy, uh, my Ascension Thursday homily. Did I say Holy Thursday? I'm at Ascension Thursday. Um, if you were here for my Ascension Thursday homily, I began to talk about prayer. And I said there's going to be a second installment, so this is the second installment. Um, if we look in our gospel as well, what is Jesus doing during the Last Supper? He's praying to the Father. And uh, the apostles would continue on his example of prayer uh, after he ascended into heaven. In the days of his earthly ministry... They would. They, they said, teach us how to pray. And so he taught them the Our Father. And we, in obedience to Christ's commandment, continue to pray that prayer to this very day. This is uh, what would be called a fixed prayer or verbal prayer. There's another kind of prayer, though, that I'd like to speak about today. Very, very important uh, aspect or type or method of prayer. And that as well was demonstrated by our Lord. Uh, in the days of his earthly ministry, the apostles would observe him go out into the woods all by himself, and he would pray for hours. Sometimes he'd go the entire night. Can you imagine that praying a good eight hours or so in the dark? Uh, and in fact, you know, if you go to the Holy Land um, in the uh, right by the Sea of Galilee, there's this little cave, and tradition has it that in this little cave, Christ would spend his nights in prayer. I had the great privilege to go there and spend some time in prayer in that very cave. So Christ is our example of what it is to pray. The apostles followed in his footsteps, and here we see them in these nine days, as first novena in preparation for the day of Pentecost. They are given over with one mind to prayer, along with Mary. Of course, Mary is our great companion in prayer. We should, As well as the apostles, we too should pray with her as much as we possibly can and as often as we can. On the day of Pentecost, as we know, a great miracle took place. The apostles were able to preach in many different languages and, and people who spoke many different languages could understand the great mighty deeds of God, his covenant, and the truths of the gospel in their own given language. So there was a great miracle and it resulted in the conversion of thousands of people. Thousands of people were baptized on the day of Pentecost. So we see this incredible life being injected into the church, this fruitfulness this spiritual vitality being imparted and given to the church. But what we often don't notice or, or draw our attention to is the fact that that spiritual vitality was preceded by prayer. Okay? And if we, you know, I gave a homily a few weeks or months ago on how the religious life, that's essential to the, to the life of the church. And I think much of the kind of dimmed vitality of the church today is due to a lack of vocations to religious life. That the religious life is kind of the secret energy behind the life of the church. But there's another secret energy behind the life of the of the church, and that is prayer in general. Okay, so I'd like to, as much as absolutely possible, inspire my brothers and sisters to, if they're not already, uh, pick up. Um, uh, a dedicated program of prayer, of daily prayer. I'm going to speak about not fixed prayer, not verbal prayer, but another kind of prayer, the kind of prayer that Jesus would have engaged in for hours during the night. It's in our tradition called mental prayer. Okay, Mental as opposed to verbal, meaning that it's more interior, internal. Okay. Uh, I think the essence of it, though, is that it's spontaneous. It doesn't follow fixed uh, words or formulas. It's extemporaneous. It comes forth from the heart. So I have a A little printout in the back, and uh, as you leave church today, I encourage you to take one. It kind of gives you a little outline of how to do mental prayer. Now, if you'll recall back into my homily on Ascension Thursday, I I gave this definition of prayer, this classic definition definition by St. John Damascene, that prayer is the lifting up of the heart and the mind to God. The lifting up of the heart and the mind to God, and the asking of good things from God. So there's these two elements to it, and the mental prayer we can understand as well is divided into these main two aspects. Okay, so uh, we have on the one hand uh, some kind of topic that you're meditating on. It's referred to as the considerations, your considerations. Okay, and uh, that is the way that we lift up our heart and our mind to God. Okay, it's a way that we can. Re- on Ascension Thursday, I spoke about certain things that we can do with our bodies, with our hands and our eyes, so forth and so on, our posture. These are different methods and ways of sustaining that lifting up of the heart and the mind. But another very obvious way of lifting up in our, heart, our heart and our mind is by just simply reading sacred scripture, for example, would be one of the primary things that we should meditate upon, that we should engage in when we... Uh, Practice the considerations part of our, of our mental prayer, okay? But there's also a huge heritage of spiritual classics that have been given to us. And on the back of that handout, you'll find a whole list of spiritual classics that are tried and true. These are not the best books on Oprah Winfrey's reading list. These are books that have been refined over the course of hundreds of years. And uh, really have been transmitted by the Holy Spirit in the tradition of the Church. Okay, So they're sure points of guidance in prayer. And um, so I'll get I'll talk maybe a little bit about these certain books uh, more later on. But getting back to mental prayer, you've got these two aspects or these two main sort of divisions. You've got the considerations part, where you take where you ingest, you take into yourself something that you're reading, whether it be scripture. Or whether it be the spiritual classic that you're reading, okay? And um, there are, in fact, I'll talk about it right now. I might as well. There are some books that are actually designed specifically for this practice, okay? So, for example, this is a book by Saint Alphonsus Liguori, an 18th century saint, very, very important saint. And he uh, put this book together. It's one out of probably hundreds of examples of this kind in our tradition, where you would just simply take a page. It would just be one page. That's it. That would be your meditation. Maybe even less. It's like 80% of a page. That would be the topic. And you take, say you were to meditate and pray for 30 minutes, you would take five minutes as kind of a preparation time. You would take 10 minutes to read through slowly, asking the Holy Spirit to speak to you through what you're reading. Okay, so it would just be a 10 minute little exercise of reading. And then there's the second half of mental prayer. From there... Uh we are inspired from what we've subjected our mind and our hearts to and our considerations. We're inspired to make acts of faith, hope, love, uh, contrition, uh, um, aversion from sin, resignation to God's will, humility, um, gratitude, all of these different virtues we're, we're able to sort of exercise these and verbalize them mentally in our minds. Jesus. I love you, Lord. Thank you for your precious blood that has cleansed me. So these are, so act of love, act of grace. Just a simple thing like that. That's what you would be inspired to do on the basis of what you've just read, okay? And then from there, uh, the most important part comes, and that is petitions, okay? You're actually asking God for grace because what will have happened is in your consideration you'll have seen something mentally in your mind that you weren't aware of before. Oh boy, I'm lacking in that virtue. Oh boy, I need to work on that. Oh, I should change that. Oh, I should stop that bad habit. Okay? Oh, wow, I didn't even know that. Boy, that in light of that truth that I just read about, I should really not do this or do this or whatever it might be. Okay? So the considerations put you in mind of what you need to grow in, in holiness, because that's the point of prayer, that's the point of the spiritual life, is to grow in holiness and likeness, to Christ and in charity. The perfection of charity is the goal of the Christian life. So these petitions don't have to do with the new Buick or whatever it might be. They have to do with your own growth in holiness. And so, uh, we have to understand that God gives us grace on the one hand sometimes just just in general without us asking for it. He gives us graces every moment of our life, okay? But there's some graces that he does not give us unless we ask for them. And so the life of the, of the individual and the life of the church is often stymied or retarded because there are millions of graces being wait, waiting in heaven to be given to us if we were only to ask for them. But because we're not mindful of our need, we don't ask and so we don't receive. Okay, So mental prayer is an opportunity for us to put ourselves in mind of our needs and then to ask for those graces that God wants to give to us, if only we would ask for them. So petitions are the most important part because it's the avenue through which God gives us grace so that we can grow in holiness and attain our final end. Uh, And so finally, though, we end off our mental prayer with the resolution Okay, and this is kind of a missing consider a missing ingredient to this this uh, whole thing. So, in light of the considerations, in light of what I've asked God for during my time of mental prayer, I'm gonna make a single concrete, almost like quantifiable, at least evaluable, uh something that can be evaluated, uh decision that I'm gonna do today. Okay, and it's gonna make an actual this is gonna be a work that I'm gonna do. Whereby my growth in holiness is not just going to be pie in the sky, but it's actually going to be put into effect and it's going to be realized. The resolution can be very simple. So for example, there's that coworker, he really annoys me. Well, uh, today at work, when I go into work, I'm going to smile at him. Simple, simple. And then at the end of the day, you look back in an examination of conscience and you say, now how did I do with my resolution? Okay, that would be one of the things that you'd look at as throughout the course of the day. How did I do my resolution? Did I remember that? Did I put it into effect? Okay, it's gotta be concrete. It's gotta be something you can evaluate. It can't be, today I'm gonna be more loving. Well, that's hard to really know whether or not you achieve that goal. So it's gotta be concrete. (laughs) Okay, when my mother-in-law calls me today, because I know she's gonna call me, today's Thursday, when she calls me, I am not gonna speak bad about Susie Q. Because my mother-in-law always wants to draw me into that conversation. I'm not gonna go there. So I'm going to refuse, or I'm even going to defend her and speak positive things about her. So there's a concrete resolution, and thereby we are growing in actuality and holiness. It's through God's grace, and it's through prayer. And thereby, my brothers and sisters, as we prepare for the day of Pentecost coming up next Sunday, this day of spiritual infusion and vitality into the church, We will be ready and prepared so that the life of us as individuals and the life of us as a community will grow and will be spiritually fruitful through prayer.